many times have you thought about quitting your job and starting a new life? Hey, I'm Lindsay, the girl who actually did that. And now I'm on a mission to change the nine to five narrative that dreading Monday and working for the weekend is normal and acceptable. My goal is to help you see your potential beyond your credentials, gain clarity on what it means to live life on your own terms, and build the confidence to go after your dream career. I'm here to prove to you that it's possible for you to do work you love, make a positive impact on the world, make even more money than you're making right now, and live a deeply fulfilling life. So let's dive in. If you're struggling to get your credit score up, I've been there. Quitting my job to build a business meant I had to put a lot of expenses on my credit card in the first couple years, and my credit score took a hit. But it was important to me that I restore my credit so that it wouldn't impact my ability to get a car, rent a new apartment, or buy a house. If you want to get a handle on your credit, extracreditbycredit.com can help. Extra Credit helps you build your credit history by reporting things like your rent and utility payments. You also get insider access to 28 of your FICO scores to see where your credit really stands. Plus, you get discounted access to leading credit repair services, real-time identity theft protection, and cash rewards for personalized credit card offers. The credit space is filled with free tools, but Extra Credit gives you access to the tools you really need to impact your credit. To sign up for Extra Credit, go to credit.com slash Hansen and get started there. To sweeten the deal, you can even get the first seven days absolutely free. It's just $24.99 a month plus tax after the free trial, and you can cancel anytime. So go check out Extra Credit today at credit.com slash Hansen and start working on your credit goals. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking all about taxes, but don't worry, we're going to make it fun. Wendy Barlin has over 25 years of experience as a CPA working with business owners across the U.S. to implement tax and cash flow strategies and help you keep more of your hard-earned money. So I'm really excited to dive into a financial episode. So Wendy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do and who you help? I, when people hear I'm an accountant, they go, but actually what I do is I help people and I love what I do. My clients are mostly all women business owners, some newer, Mm. some with more experience. And what I do is I help them understand how they can find more tax deductions. I help them translate the scary words that the old white guy accountants use into terminology that we can all understand. I love that so much. And I think, I mean, the listeners know that I used to be an accountant. I was a CPA. And so I think there's sometimes this perception of like, oh, accounting is boring. And I didn't feel like I was helping people, but that's not true at all. I personally didn't feel that way in my role, but I also wasn't a tax accountant for small business owners. And I feel like, I mean, we need accountants and you are genuinely, genuinely helping people in so many ways. So I think it's so important to just point that out, right? Like accounting wasn't for me, but that doesn't mean you're not making a huge impact, you know? 
And right. And that it's not a great choice for a lot of people. And when I right. speak to teenagers thinking about what they want to do yeah. with their lives, the picture of an accountant, I think, is changing and it's going to continue to change over the next 10 years as technology starts to do a lot of the accounting work mm-hmm. and accountants are called upon to be advisors. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to hear, before we dive into the technical stuff, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey as an entrepreneur and building your own practice. Well, thank you, Lindsay. And I think much like you, I found myself in this accounting firm, bored to tears, and I would spend most days on the phone with clients talking. And my bosses used to say to me, Wendy, get off the phone, get off the phone. And I used to tell them, no, the money is in the phone. So after the towers fell in New York City, I quit my job and I said, this is crazy. I am working so hard to make all these people rich and Mm -hmm. I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. So I went out on my own. I had no clients. I started from scratch. And what I decided to do was not charge by the hour because I wanted people to call me. I want to know about your kids and your dog and your vacation. And you're not going to tell me that if I'm charging $250 an hour. Yeah. So I started doing flat fee billing. And all those years ago, I was really a pioneer. People thought I was crazy. And today the Mm -hmm. market's pretty much catching up to that. There are very few accountants that still do hourly billing because it makes no sense. And so I grew my business over time. Friends told friends, family told family. And so it grew and it became something where I took it virtual in 2018. I actually Mm. closed down my office and went virtual in 2018. So when COVID hit, we were perfectly poised and other accountants were saying to me, Wendy, how do we do this? And this way, I've truly been able to serve people. We can answer your questions. We can spend time on the phone with you and we're not worried about the clock. And that gives me as a human being great joy. And I feel like we really have the time to teach. Yeah, I love that so much because I think there is that stereotypical accountant where people think, oh, they're going to, you know, charge me by the hour just to answer a simple question and it's going to be so boring and dull and they don't really care about me as a person or anything else that's going on in my life. But The other accounts who I've talked to on this podcast as well would agree with you that all of that stuff is important because you can't really just compartmentalize like, oh, let me do your business taxes without knowing what else is going on in your life and what goals you have. Like, do you plan to buy a house? Do you plan to have kids? I think seeing it as a more comprehensive view of that person's life will make you a better accountant and advisor for their business. And that's usually what I tell people when they say to me, do I even need an accountant? And Mm. I say, well, many people don't. I recommend TaxCut and TaxPro and TaxSlayer and all these fantastic softwares all the time for people. If you have a job and a house and two kids and a dog and you have nothing crazy planned, nothing crazy going on and life is simple, then you don't need an accountant. But if you have other things going on or changes happening, then you do. And be very careful that when you hire an accountant, they're not someone who has you drop off a bag of paper, they process it through their software, and then they say, sign here and pick it up. You need to have FaceTime. You need to have someone who knows you and listens to you and understands you. And that's where just like a doctor or really anybody else that is on your team, 
you need to have that relationship. And I see too many clients who go, oh, I have an accountant. And I kind of giggle because the person is just someone who processes their tax return once a year. That's yeah. not valuable. Mm, yeah, I love that so much. I also want to back up a little bit. So you said you just quit your job and you hadn't had any clients yet. And then you started your business from there. Yep, I sure did. It was scary. That was pretty much the same thing I did, by the way. But what was that like? And what kind of drove you to that decision of, okay, now's the time? Well, when the towers fell in New York, I really just looked and I was like, wow, life is short. We just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And if I keep waiting for the perfect time and the perfect time and the perfect, I don't know that that perfect time is ever going to come, you know, and and my boss would mm-hmm. offer me more money. I'm like, well, it's so much money. Maybe I should stay. It was one of those things where it was yeah. now or never to really do things my way, the way that I believe mm-hmm. they should be done. And so I did. I quit cold turkey. Now, I don't know that I would recommend that for everybody. For you and I, it worked yeah. out, right? I mean, although there were months where I couldn't pay my bills, so I know how that feels. Yeah. But I see a lot of small business owners spending six, nine, 12 months doing a side hustle and their job. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. I think in a perfect world, I would recommend that. But I also think that's hard. And I also think no one wins because you're always torn. So if there's any Mm -hmm. way to just quit cold turkey, believe me, you have to hustle. (laughs) I had a mortgage to pay. So I had to hustle to grow my business. And I think when you don't have income coming in, you just work that much harder. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, I mean, I felt, I also felt crazy at the time when I quit my job. And it sounds crazy to say to people, but I'm like, honestly, part of why I did that is because I knew it would motivate me. Like, if I don't have a paycheck coming in, I have to figure it out. Right. And I think that did push me to grow my business much faster than I would have if I started it as a side hustle and was just kind of like, well, let me see how this goes. And if my business grows, then I'll quit my job. I don't think I ever would have got to a point where my business grew enough that I would have quit. And I also see people use excuses in that way, right? Oh, I don't have the perfect business plan yet. Or my website isn't perfect yet. And you don't need any of those. And you just need the hustle. You need that. I need to make money to pay my mortgage. That for me was enough. (laughs) Okay. I love it so much. So... To start, I want to ask, what are some common myths that you hear when it comes to business taxes? The biggest myth I hear is that if you take a home office deduction, you're going to get audited. This was probably true 25 years ago, but I don't know if any of you have ever tried to call the IRS. There is no one there who is going to come to your house and look at your office. Nobody. So I tell clients, please take a home office deduction if you are entitled to one. It 100% will not result in an audit. We definitely see audits, but they're not because of a home office deduction. And nor have we seen the IRS deny a home office because you have a TV or a couch in it. Those used to be the case 25 years ago. I mean, I did have a case in 1997 where an IRS agent showed up at a client's house for sure, but I haven't seen it since 1997. And now they know we all work from home. They know we have televisions, which double as screens, which double as 
zoo, right? Mm -hmm. So please, you are entitled to a home office deduction, take a home office deduction. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'd love your take on this too, but as a former CPA, I think my advice always was, unless it's something outrageous where you're writing off your entire rent and it's like, you obviously don't use your entire apartment for your business. As long as it's reasonable and you can make the case that this is the amount of space I work in on a daily basis, that is all that you need to be able to back that up. And you tell people not to be greedy. So I have plenty of arguments and I've had plenty this week already and it's only Tuesday that people say, but I do use my whole house. I make phone calls from the kitchen. I use the patio. Sometimes I sit in bed and respond to email and I understand that and you understand that. But from an IRS perspective, that doesn't make sense. So don't be greedy. Rather take 30% of your home. That seems reasonable. Take that Mm -hmm. deduction. If you want to take 100%, go for it. That might trigger an audit, and now you're going to have to be in a fight. So avoid the fight, take a reasonable deduction, and play in the areas where you have a little more flexibility that appears reasonable. Whether you're a solopreneur trying to manage your client workload or if you have a team supporting your business, staying organized is the key to building a sustainable business. I think back to the days when I was running my business through emails, text messages, and the notes app on my phone, and I'm so glad I discovered tools like Basecamp. Basecamp is a project management and team communication app used by thousands of companies to help you stay organized, stay in touch, and get things done more efficiently. It's an all-in-one toolkit for remote work with message boards, to-dos, calendars, document sharing, group chats, and more. I love that Basecamp is built for simplicity and keeps everything in one place so I can communicate with my team and send deliverables to my clients without switching between six different apps. Go to Basecamp.com slash Lindsay and sign up today to start a free 30-day trial. There's no credit card required and you can cancel online at any time. So if you want to know if Basecamp is right for your team, signing up for a trial is the best way to do so. Remember to go to Basecamp.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, to get your free trial. And thank you to Basecamp for sponsoring today's episode. Mm. Is there any common things that do tend to trigger an audit from the IRS? Losses and more losses and more losses. So where you are a small business owner, and we all know that 2020 was probably a loss for a lot of people because of the pandemic. I am very clear with clients that the number one audit at the IRS is unincorporated businesses. Schedule C, Mm. unincorporated businesses that make less than $100,000 is the highest audit level. And I know that just blows most people's minds because they go, what? What a waste of time. Yes. You know why? Because it's easy for them to audit. They find a lot of unreported income and it's a whole lot Mm -hmm. easier than going off to Amazon. So if you are a small unincorporated business with income of less than $100,000, I'm not saying you don't take the deductions to which you're accustomed or entitled, but please make sure that you have your backup, you have your receipts, and you are not being too aggressive because you are the highest audit risk. 
That's interesting. So one of my questions was going to be, do you recommend incorporating from the beginning of your business? And I would imagine the answer is yes. You know, it depends. That's my favorite question. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> so incorporating too early can be very expensive. Incorporating mm-hmm. itself is expensive. You have to file a separate tax return. I make more money. doesn't really benefit you. And you have to pay yourself payroll. Things get expensive and complicated fast. So mm-hmm. generally, until your profit is upwards of 50000 you're not even at break even. Some people incorporate because it makes them feel more adult. It makes them feel like they have to hustle harder so the thing can pay for itself. Uh, so there are yeah. definitely some emotional reasons too. In some markets, mm. it's seen as like a legitimate way to go. So there are some industries where people are like, mm, you really need to have a corporation. But mm. dollar for dollar, I can save you money with a corporation once your profit is more than 50000 And so if you want to do it at less than that, go ahead. But I don't think I would do it to protect myself from audit. Like That's not, to me, enough of a reason. Right. And aside from incorporating does that include like starting an LLC yeah LLCs are probably for tax purposes the biggest waste of time and money I have so many clients that come to me with LLCs and I'm like who recommended this Google yeah. or your lawyer one of those two horrible sources a lawyer wants to set up an LLC because it's cheap and easy and they make a lot of money and Google mm. recommends LLCs because Google recommends whatever is the most popular topic of the day but From a tax perspective, there is no benefit in an LLC, none, zero, ever. There are legal benefits, but no tax benefits. And in fact, in some states like California, LLCs actually cost you extra money because California, bless their hearts, has an additional tax over and above income tax that they specifically charge on LLC. So very, very, very expensive. 99% of people who come into my office with an LLC, I can show them with a pen and paper what a complete Mm -hmm. waste of money it was from a tax point of view. Okay. So from a tax perspective, you recommend just staying on Schedule C until until you're at 50K profit and then incorporating? Correct. And then you want to see what's the best kind of corporation for you. There's different Mm -hmm. kinds. There's S corporations and C corporations, and they have very different goals. They have very different effects on your personal taxes. And that's where you want to go and meet with an advisor and not trust a lawyer or Google because each person has a different tax situation and a different need. So no two people have the same answer for what kind of entity should I be. Right. And aside from whether or not to incorporate, are there any other things that new entrepreneurs should do to set themselves up for success when they're first starting their business? Yes. And this one is not going to make people jump up and down with joy. In fact, I I can almost hear people start to groan when I say, keep books and records. You need proper bookkeeping. I know it's not sexy, it's not cute, it's not cool. But I will tell you that keeping track of every single dollar that you spend and make, but mostly spend, will save you tax money. People who come Mm -hmm. to me at the end of the year when we do our tax planning in November, December, with an Excel spreadsheet or some cobbled together email list of what they spent, I absolutely guarantee 
they're leaving money on the table. And, and here's a quick story. I have four ladies, four young girls actually in their 20s, who got together and bought a house to flip. And they mm -hmm. gave me the Excel spreadsheet of all their expenses. And it looked like they had taxable income of about 50000 And I said to them, let me take this Excel spreadsheet and run it through my accounting software. I happen to use QuickBooks, but if you're not incorporated, please don't use QuickBooks. It's very complicated. There are lots of yeah. easier, cheaper solutions. Anyway, I run it through QuickBooks and I said to them, if I come up with the same number as you, your tax return is free. If your number mm -hmm. is wrong, you pay me. And I've been doing this for 25 years. I've never had to give away a free return because of this. Sure enough, there was an error in a cell in their Excel worksheet that did not include an expense in the total. They actually only had $10,000 in income. That's a lot of tax money they would have paid because they were using an Excel spreadsheet. So please, 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 please make sure that you are using automated systems like Wave, FreshBooks, Quicken, Mint, anything automated where there's very little room for human error and use it today. We're only in April. You can catch up from January. So start mm -hmm. it now and use one of those systems. And I absolutely guarantee you will find more tax deductions. Yeah. And I have a question. So if you're not incorporated, you would need to have a business entity in order to open a business bank account, right? No, that's so not how? True. No, you can open a no. business bank account in your own name and your own social security number. Would it be like a? It would be a DBA. So it would be Wendy okay. Barlin DBA Zone of Genius. Okay. So do you recommend starting that bank account I right do, away just to, to separate things? Separate? You know, and kind of yeah. keep things a little separate. It, it, it's probably a good place to start. Yes. Yeah. I think that's something that I see often too, especially for like freelancers and service providers where you're just kind of getting a little bit of money here and there and you just have it going through your personal account. And then like you said, handing your accountant a sticky note at tax time with all of your income and expenses on it. But even just having that separate bank account is going to be really helpful for you to keep everything separate. And I think it also is kind of a mindset thing too, where you're going to feel more like this is a legitimate business if you're not running everything through your own personal checking account, you know? Correct. Now, I will tell you on the credit card side, I do run everything through one credit card because mm -hmm. I love my miles. Love my yeah. miles. I'm about to go to Los Angeles for the Easter weekend, all paid for with miles. So what I do is I have one credit card that I use for my entire life. And then at the end of the month, when the bill comes, I take a highlighter and everything personal, I highlight in pink, everything in business, I highlight in green, and I send two payments to the credit card company, one from my personal checking mm. account and one from my business checking account. And that's how I get my business deductions off the credit card, but I keep all my miles in one place. That is a good trick to be aware of. <laughs> and I also want to ask you, and this is probably going to be the question everyone's waiting for, what are some 
tax deductions that are available for, I know most of my listeners are service providers. So coaches, virtual assistants, freelancers, for those types of businesses, I know we talked about the home office deduction. What other common tax deductions are likely available to them? Oh, there's so many. This is such an exciting topic. So I'm going to save you four years of going to college and studying accounting. Yeah. Anything is deductible for your business that is ordinary and necessary. Those are the two Mm -hmm. words, ordinary and necessary. Now, there are three things that are absolute no's. No clothing, no gym memberships, and no golf dues. Outside Um, of those three things, from today onwards, for the rest of your life, anytime you're about to pay for something, you're going to say to yourself, could this be ordinary and necessary for my business? Mm-hmm. One of the examples I cite in my book, it's probably one of my favorite examples, is a client who had a little white Shih Tzu dog, one of those little fluffy white dogs, and yeah. she deducted all the pet expenses, grooming, medicines, you name it, she deducted it. One year she got audited, not because of that, she got audited for something else. And the mm-hmm. IRS looked and went, ma'am, pet expenses, really? She was able to show how she used her dog's face on her website, on her business cards, on her Mm -hmm. one-sheets. Her dog was everywhere. His expenses are now ordinary and necessary for her to continue to market her business. So that's an example of how broad these deductions can go. So when you think about being a service industry professional, if you're in the travel industry and you happen to go and stay at a Marriott, hmm, Mm -hmm. research, If you are a massage therapist and you go to a spa for massage research. Mm -hmm. So that's why I don't have a total list list because again, everybody's business is different, but I want you to think about this by way of ordinary and necessary and every single dollar that you spend in your life. How could that be? If you were sitting across the table from a little gray IRS guy, How could you explain that that was an ordinary and necessary expense for your business? And if you can with a straight face, I say go for it. Okay. And then is there any documentation that people should keep in order to take those deductions? Everything. Anytime you spend over $25, you must have a receipt. A credit card statement is not a receipt. You Mm -hmm. need the actual receipt. Now, it doesn't have to be a piece of paper. You can take a photo with your phone and keep the JPEG, or it can be a PDF, but you have to have a receipt. And think about it. It kind of makes sense. You know, if you go to Best Buy today or Target, you could buy anything. It could be clothes. It could be underwear. It could be gifts for your mom. So they actually, if you get audited, the IRS will ask to see your receipts to see what you purchased. And if you don't have a receipt, they will likely deny the deduction. So yes, you must, must, must have receipts. They don't need to be beautifully filed A through Z or by topic. You just need a stick drive with your receipts. Is there a certain length of time that you want to keep that documentation? So most common rule of thumb is seven years. I don't know why it's seven years. It, It is, but it seems to me that the IRS has a statute of limitations of three years. They have three years from the date that you file your return to audit you. So Mm -hmm. somewhere between three years and seven years is probably how long (laughs) you want to keep your receipts. But truth be told, when you have your receipts in PDF format, you can keep them forever, 
right? We're not talking about filing cabinets or garages full of boxes anymore. So I tend to keep everything, but I no longer have boxes in my garage. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I have receipts from when I first started my business over three years ago. Like I keep everything in my Google Drive so I can go back and refer to it if I ever need to. But I think that's something people might not be aware of. So definitely keep any documentation that you have. And is there anything that Anything else you would need above and beyond just a receipt? Like I know one thing that comes to mind for me that I remember from my accounting days is like if you have a business lunch to keep like just make a note somewhere, even if it's just a reminder to yourself, like who did you have this lunch with? What did you guys talk about? So that you can back that up if the IRS were to say like, was this actually a business lunch? So let's role play that for a second. That is absolutely true. What Lindsay is saying is absolutely true. The law requires that you have a business purpose for everything you do. Meals, parking, what was your business purpose? But let's role play that. So I'm, I'm the auditor. Oh, you be the auditor. Okay, Wendy, I see your receipt from... I don't know, California Pizza Kitchen for $120. Who did you have lunch with? I had lunch with Mary Jones. Okay, so now you as the auditor are going to call Mary Jones and go, Mary Jones, did you have lunch with Wendy Barlin on May 3rd? And what did you talk about? You think that's going to happen? Probably not. So, (laughs) So yes, that is the law. However, in 25 years of doing this and doing audits, what I've had them do is ask for receipts. When they see them, they check the box because Mm -hmm. they have no way of verifying who you did and didn't have lunch with and what you did and didn't talk about. So if it's helpful for you to write on the back of every receipt or note on your PDF, great. But it is absolutely impossible to audit. And if an auditor did ask for that, I'd write it down and make it up. So, and another example to that point is mileage. So IRS law says you need to keep a travel log of everywhere you go and all the mileage you do. And I I see people doing it and there are apps you can pay for. Great, more power to them. I don't have time for that in my day. But on audit, I went into the, this was probably five years ago now when we actually went into an auditor's office. We don't do that anymore. They don't see Mm -hmm. people in person. But my client got an audit. We went in and I brought in a beautiful audit log we spent all weekend doing it. And I showed it to the IRS agent. I said, look here, here's our audit log. And he looked at it and he laughed. And he's like, I know that you guys just did this over the weekend. Everybody does. I'll give you 50% of the audit. I'm like, no, come on, 75%. And he's like, okay, fine. 75% of your client signs today. Fine, done. And that's how we did it. So they know that audit logs are only as good as the user. And there's, again, no way for them to verify where you did and didn't go. So it goes back to being reasonable, ordinary, and necessary. You cannot claim that 100% of your mileage is business. It makes no sense. So go with 50 or 60 or 70% and you'll be okay. And the same with meals. Don't put through $50,000 of meal expenses if you only made 100 then yeah, Yeah. chances are they're going to be a bit snickety with you. (laughs) But (laughs) if you have, you know, I have clients that have 10, 15, 20,000 in meals Mm -hmm. and under audit, as long as they have their receipts, they're good. No problem. Yeah. Okay. And this goes along with my next question, but I'm wondering what are some common mistakes that you see new entrepreneurs making that results in them overpaying in taxes? 
I think the biggest mistake is missing out on the bookkeeping and not having good records. Not having mm-hmm. good records where I say to them, really, you had no parking expenses the whole year? Hmm, how strange. Yeah. Or, oh, you're only deducting $200 in meals? And they're like, yeah, that's, I, I, I mean, I could have more. I don't know. I've got to go look at my credit cards. I don't have my receipts. I think these for sure, Lindsay, mm-hmm. are the biggest reasons that most new business owners overpay their taxes. And the other is just not knowing. You know, it breaks my heart. When yeah. I see people's prior year tax returns and they didn't take a home office deduction because their grandma, grandpa, or or neighbor told them they'd get audited, so they didn't. Mm-hmm. And when people don't take meals and parking and travel deductions because they don't know that they can. And and that really breaks my heart. Unfortunately, our profession is got this reputation of being so busy, don't bother us. So most new yeah. business owners don't find an accountant and say, okay, show me how I do this. Show me how I save money on taxes. Instead, they go, they get the tax return done and they leave. And accountants have allowed that to happen. We've allowed that to be where our service is kind of not proactive for people. And unfortunately, it is on you as the business owner to educate yourself about how you can do better. Mm. So would you recommend that when you're first starting your business, you find an accountant? I do. And I recommend you find someone who specializes in educating and has the time to work with you and specializes in entrepreneurs and understands who you are and what you do. Yeah, I mean, that's huge, especially if you don't have a background in accounting. Luckily, I did, which I think helped me out a lot. But even I still hired an accountant when I first started, even though I was one, because I know there's always things that that even I might not know, you know, and it's helpful to just have that person on your side. And I also want to ask you a little bit going off of taxes more into kind of cash flow and budgeting, what are some of the best ways to manage your money? Once you take that leap, you no longer have a salary, you're full-time in your business, but obviously your business income changes month to month. So what are some of the ways that you can manage your money on that variable income? Well, I think the biggest piece when I went out on my own was to really make some hard choices. I think many of us who have jobs where we get paid every two weeks, we kind of get comfortable in our lifestyle, you know? I shop, yeah. I eat out, I go to the movies. When you quit and you start running your own business, there's a trade-off. And for me, the trade-off was working for myself was my dream. I am willing to cut back on my personal expenses so that I don't need to make as much money and I can really focus on growing my business. So I think to be very clear about what your personal goals are, because if your personal goal is to grow your business and have that be your dream and your future, then when you quit your job, you need to look really long and hard about what expenses you keep and which ones you give up. I usually never tell people to cut their expenses because I think it's a a long way down, a slippery slope from there. I usually always focus on make more money. However, Mm -hmm. when you quit a job to go full out in building your own business, I really recommend you rein it in. (laughs) Live on as little as possible so that you're not putting this pressure on your business to pay for a bigger lifestyle than is necessary. You'll get back there. Just give yourself some space. 
Yeah. And then as your business does grow and you do start making more money, what strategies do you recommend for kind of budgeting and managing that to make sure that you're putting your money to good use? I'm a huge fan of Profit First. I don't know, Lindsay, if you've read Profit First, but Profit First changed my life. And for anybody on the podcast who hasn't read Profit First, guess what? You have homework. You're going to go and either read Profit First or listen to The Audible by Mike Michalowicz. Like Lindsay was saying, people assume because we're accountants, we know how to do this. No, we don't. Nobody taught me how to manage money in school, right? Yeah. I did accounting, I did tax, I did compliance. I never learned how to manage cash. So I've had to mm-hmm. teach myself and there've definitely been ups and downs. And, and I've had credit card debt that I've had to pay off in excess of $50,000. So I've definitely mm-hmm. learned the hard way about cash. And Profit First is the only system that really helps me manage my cash And I guarantee it will help you because what it does is it pulls money out of your bank account and puts it away. So rather than Mm -hmm. saying, oh, I'm going to put $100 a month into a savings account. Well, that's silly. As your money goes up, your savings should go up. So Profit First is all about percentages. And it also acknowledges that we want nice things. I want clothes. I want to go out to dinner. I want to travel. Mm -hmm. So I have a travel account and a clothing account and I put money in there. And if there's no money in there, I get nothing. If there's money in there, I can have those things. And that system of cash management has changed my life. Yeah, that sounds like I haven't read that book, but I will for sure link it in the show notes for everyone to go get it. Homework. Who thought they were getting homework guys. today? <laughs> All right, Wendy, before we wrap up, I'd love to ask you, what is your biggest piece of advice for the listeners who want to take that leap and start their business, but the financial and tax side of things is freaking them out? Oh, I hope that we solved that today. (laughs) But I'm sure there are still some people who are concerned. And I would say read books, listen to podcasts and educate yourself. Ask for help and then just do it. There's never going to be a right time. There's never going to be a good time. Just do it. We're lucky right now that jobs are plentiful. So if you do it and you find after six months or a year that you don't like being a business owner, it's not what I thought it would be. You can always go back and get a job, but do it and do it now. I love that. And where can the listeners find you if they want to get connected with you or if you have any resources that you wanted to share? Both, actually. So my website is wendybarland.com and you will find a lot of free resources there, tax worksheets, all kinds of cheat sheets at wendybarland.com. You can also contact me directly from the website. It comes right into my email box. I respond to all my emails. So you can contact me, you can get resources. And there's also information on our um, That's Deductible tax program where we teach business owners how to find more tax deductions. That's my passion. All right. Amazing. Wendy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this. I think your story is really inspiring and you had so many good tips to share. So I really appreciate it. You're most welcome. All right, my loves, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're looking for more content to help you leave your nine to five, make money online and create a life of freedom doing work you love, come hang out with me on social media. You can find me at Lindsay M. Hansen on Instagram and on TikTok. Also, come join the Quit Your Job Sis Facebook group so you can connect with me and your fellow listeners and get an amazing community to support you on your journey. 
If you love this episode, please be sure to share it on social media, share it with your friends or your coworkers, and go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the show out to all my corporate babes and entrepreneurs who need to hear it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and being on this journey with me. I love you, I appreciate you, I am here for you always, and I will talk to you in the next episode. Bye.